When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Well... I want to start by thanking everybody who tuned in over the weekend. We had long, some long, extensive NHL draft coverage for you. Took you through the first round, me and Brayton Wilson, and then we took you through rounds two through seven here on WGR. And it was a fun weekend. It was an interesting weekend. We got some action. We got some big trades that I still have thoughts on and that, you know, looking back, I think there's still some missed opportunities that I would have liked the Sabres uh, end up with. But they end up with Dylan Cousins, 7th overall. They got a guy who did the Michigan move in round 4. I'm excited about that. You can't pull that move off unless you've got some serious skill. I am very disappointed to find out that he is the one prospect um, from the draft who will not be at development camp this week. I was excited to see him and see if he could pull it off again. You never know. You know, guys do it once or twice, but can he do it consistently? No one's ever been able to do it consistently. Would have been able to been nice to see if this kid's got it. Aaron Huglin. But he is uh injured, so he will not be at development camp this week. I love development camp week. It's a week filled with hope. It's a week filled with, you know, hockey players who have yet to let you down. Vasily Glatov. A a social media sabers darling. Development camp darling, he we live for these weeks of Vasily Glatov. It's a fun week to be around. Um, if you've never been to it, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, I think it's a fun thing to go to if you get your mornings off, if you got some free time during the week. Uh, Wednesday through Friday are going to be the practices. Saturday it's only available to season ticket holders, but that will be the three-on-three tournament. And like I said, just you know that feeling of, hey, these guys have never let me down in any way yet. You're thinking a lot of positive things like, oh, look at this. This this guy could be this. This guy could be this. Look at that move. Like, there's there's no, nothing can really go wrong, I feel like, at development camp. Development camp. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, I'm looking forward to that. That starts on Wednesday. Uh, Dylan Cousins will be there, as well as the rest of the draft cl- class, except for Huglin, uh, as I just mentioned. I liked the pick. Um, I wasn't a big Cole Caulfield guy. He was near the top of my board. I think maybe I got talked into it a little bit by everybody. Um, just the, but the the idea of him was really what was intriguing. Everyone wanted him, right? People that called the, our station, people that reached out on social media, people that we talked to, um, they wanted Caulfield for one reason and pretty much one reason only. The guy buried the puck in the back of the net at a rate that that program has never seen. The United States Development Program. 
He broke Phil Kessel's record. Yeah, he's only five foot seven. Yeah, he played with Jack Hughes, but his finishing ability was unreal. My only hold up on him the whole time was all right, great goal score, no doubt. The Alex DeBrink comparison, I can completely see it. Their hands aren't, you know, the best in the world, but their finishing ability and their speed is going to make them NHL players most likely. But if he does not turn out to be the player that we all want him to be, if he doesn't, if that shot does not translate to the NHL, what do I have on my hands? That made it a risky pick to me. Because if the shot didn't translate, then I think you were getting someone who probably isn't going to be an NHL player at all. Whereas, you know, what they did, in a way it's a little bit more conservative, but in a way I think you're still getting that upside, which I think is, you know, at the end of the day why I like this Cousins pick. The kid can fly. He's six foot three, but he can fly. I would want every single year, whoever the general manager of the team is, whoever is in charge of scouting, whoever is in charge of uh, the uh, the prospects once they're in the organization, speed, 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 and skating should always be right up there, one of the top priorities of people you're bringing into the organization or things you're working on with kids in the organization. And what I like to see is, by most accounts, the guys they picked have that to their games. Speed and some really good skating ability. Cousins is 6'3", but he flies. Ryan Johnson was described as the perfect modern-day defenseman. Can carry the puck out of his own end with speed. Can make tape to tape passes. So I was, I was, uh, I liked their draft as much as you really can for kids that you know you only get to see sparingly because they're over in either in the juniors or in the USHL or even overseas. So we'll hear more about them. Ryan Jankowski, we'll we'll uh, we'll hear from him throughout the show. Director of amateur scouting for the Sabers, as Bottrell put it, he was kind of running the show on the amateur side. So we'll get his thoughts on uh, how the Sabres draft played out as we progress. 803-0550, if you want to get in on anything tonight, we're going to talk lots of trades. Uh, free agency is only a week away. And this is really, like, this next week, I have a feeling, is going to be where the Sabres' expectations are really formed. Where their performance for next year is really going to start. Like, what are they going to put on the ice opening night? This next week is really going to be is really going to give us a much better idea of what that is going to look like. Me and Brayton on Saturday, we tried to project the lineup as best we could, and really there's just so much more to do because the trade market was pretty quiet through the draft. There were a couple big deals we're going to talk about in a second, but it was pretty quiet otherwise, and we haven't heard a lot of free agency stuff yet. We have Pierre Lebrun reporting that he thinks, does that even count? Can you report that you think something? Uh, He says that he thinks the Sabres are one team that has shown interest in Joe Pavelski, but they are not at this point a team that has a meeting scheduled with him. And I think that's about right. The Sabres have every reason in the world to want Joe Pavelski. Every reason in the world to pay him big even, even though he's 34 years old. He's 34 years old, but if you watched any of Joe Pavelski, which I'm sure a lot of Sabre fans have, considering he's been in the playoffs almost every single year of his career, the guy doesn't really need um, that that athleticism, you know, to, to to be like a great player. Like his scoring ability is almost unmatched throughout the league. Like he is top of the, he's on the on that list of like goal scorers 
over the last like five, ten years. You look at any amount of time, like who are the top goal scorers in the league in the last five years, the last six years, ten years, and he's always right on that list, right after the Ovechkins of the of the world. And he's a great leader, by most accounts. Captain of San Jose. Captain of the Sharks. They took it from Joe Thornton to give it to him. Must have been a hell of a leader if he gave him that. But the idea is completely unrealistic. I don't want to be a party pooper. Joe Pavelski is not coming to Buffalo. There's no, no way he is coming to Buffalo. The money you'd have to give him. I think for him to even think about it would be insane. Would probably blow your mind. And it th- talking about him today and hearing about him today made me think of Shane Doan. Seven years ago, 2012, where were the Sabres at? They were coming off a, uh, a couple of playoff seasons where... Well, no, 2012 free agency, they would have been coming off a non-playoff season after two playoff seasons. Of, of core of players... That what did we always think about that core? The Roy's, the Connollys, the Vanicks, the Pommonvilles. Like they lacked that 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 alpha, that that main guy in the locker room, that main leader who was also a good player. They tried to make uh, Craig Revey that, but you know he was towards the end of his career and he could only give you a couple of good years. So they tried to pay Shane Doan big money, even though he was 35 years old even though he was well past his prime. Still a productive player, but well past his prime. They tried to pay a 35-year-old hockey player four years, $30 million. In 2012, what was the salary cap in 2012? Because I know a couple of years ago it was $5 million less uh, than it was now. I mean, it's up to $81 million. In 2012, it was $60 million. $60 million. $20 million less your team could pay. And the Sabres were offering a 35-year-old free agent set over $7 million a year. That's insane. By today's money, what is that? Is that nine-ish? And that might be what it takes to even get in the door with Joe Pavelski. Because I have to think a guy at his point in his career, and it's similar to Shane Doan. If Shane Doan was ever going to leave Arizona, the place he had been his entire career, where was he going to go? He was going to do it to win a cup. Pittsburgh was always reported for him. It's amazing to me that he never played for Pittsburgh. It always seems like he did. seems like that was always a rumor for like five years in a row. Hey, Shane Doan will only leave to go to Pittsburgh. Or Pittsburgh might be interested in Shane Doan. He never ended up there. But that's the type of team he would have left for. That's my thought on Pavelski. Still a great player, better player than Doan was at the time, but if he's going to leave San Jose, if he's going to leave the place he has spent his entire career, the place he is a captain, the place that he has been the leader for for almost a decade, he's going to a team that he thinks can win the Stanley Cup next year. He's going to... I don't know if these teams have cap space, but the first teams that pop into my mind are Pittsburgh and Washington and, you know, a team with some veterans on it. Dallas. Florida. The New York Islanders. Some of these might be bad examples, but I think every team that I just listed is certainly ahead of the Sabres in that regard. Teams that were in the playoffs last year. Maybe Carolina. They put they went pretty deep. Boston, I don't think it's the cap space to do it, but like a Boston. Right there. 
a game away from the cup. Nashville. Nashville might be realistic there. They've cleared cap space over the weekend trading P.K. Subban to try to chase Matt Duchesne in free agency. If they don't land Matt Duchesne, maybe they go for Joe Pavelski. That's the type of team, a Predators. Not here. You can sell a player, I think, on, hey, Jack Eichel, Rasmus Dahlin, Sam Reinhart, Jeff Skinner, will be good. And guess what? In a few years, we're going to be great. When Dahlin really gets it in gear and starts to get into his prime years, he's going to be the best defenseman in the league. Eichel will still be in his mid-20s. And he's already a near elite player, if not an elite center in the league. Skinner will still be scoring goals. Reinhardt will be in the prime of his career. You could sell a guy, I think, on, hey, the Sabres could be a cup contender in two, three years, and we can be a playoff contender this season. I think you could sell guys on that realistically. But there is no way you can sell a guy on, hey, we're going to win the Stanley Cup this year. And to me, if Joe Pavelski is going to leave, he's going to want to be the final piece to a puzzle, not another step along the way. And to me, that's the position the Sabres are in right now. They're not in a position to land a player like that. You can land a good player, but even I think Matt Duchesne is more realistic for them than Pavelski is. I really do. It's the age thing. What would Pavelski be thinking? He's got a, He knows how many years he's got left. He knows his age. He doesn't have enough time to waste on hope that, you know, in two, three years when I'm 36, 37 years old, now we're finally going to be able to win some Stanley Cups. And until then, I'm just hoping to make the playoffs. You're not selling a guy in that. So I, I don't like that idea. Um, in, in how I don't like the idea in it being realistic. I love it. If he, he would want to come here, then of course I would love to do it. But I think the amount of money it would take would sound insane. I don't even want to throw a number out there, but I just think it would be insane to think about how much you'd have to pay him to come here. And like I said, I hate to be a party pooper, but we're living in the real world, and I don't think in the real world, Joe, the real world, Joe Pavelski's even taking a meeting with the Buffalo Sabres. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I think there were some missed opportunities over the weekend. There were two trades that went down that I would have liked to see the Sabres do something similar. Start with the P.K. Subban trade. It reminded me of Skinner in that it was weird how low the price was to get him. It's a little different in that Subban's got a couple years on his contract, whereas Skinner was an expiring free agent. And maybe they were traded for different reasons. Skinner could have been traded by Carolina because the Hurricanes just didn't think they were going to sign him and they were going to lose him for nothing, so let's get rid of him now. Subban was traded like as a cap dump, which is amazing to me. That a former Norris Norris winning trophy defenseman was traded for two second round picks, which is nothing, and a couple of C level prospects, like no, not New Jersey, no guys that are going to set the world on fire. Maybe they'll play for Nashville, but they're not going to be in their top six. They're not going to be in their top four unless they get really lucky. Two seconds and two, what I call C level prospects. That's what got P.K. Subban. I would have loved to be in on that. I really would have. If Think of it this way. If P.K. Subban was a free agent on July 1st, if he was about to come up for a contract, he's 29 years old, right? And I got rumors today that Tyler Myers, we got rumors that Tyler Myers might be an $8 million a year player in a week, which is unbelievable to think about. 
in that world. Think about if P.K. Subban was a free agent on July 1st. And I told you that the Sabres could... He'd come to the Sabres for three years, $27 million. It's a big cap hit, right? Yeah, $9 million bucks. I'm paying him the same as Skinner. He's a very good player. Even still, I would say he's maybe not the Norris winning trophy, the Norris winning defenseman, even the Norris nominee defenseman that he once was with Montreal. But he's still an all-star defenseman. He's still a guy that you should want to have in your top pair. Now, maybe he's reached a point in his career at the age of 29. I don't think he's fallen off a cliff or anything. But maybe he's taken a small step back to where, hey, I'm not a number one defenseman on the team anymore, but you know, if I'm your number two, then we got a great team in front of us. That's what happened with Nashville. He went there. He became, he's not the, he was not their best defenseman. Roman Yossi was their best defenseman, one of the most underrated players in the league. He's incredible. And he, I think he's part of the reason they traded him too because they got to extend him. So Subban went to Nashville, and he's their second-best defenseman, and they're in the Stanley Cup Finals right away. That's not an accident. That's how you build a team. And he went for nothing. If I could have told you the Sabres would have got him at three years, $9 million per year, everyone would love it. Everyone would love it. You will never get a player in free agency with that level of skill, with a term like that. You'll never do it. Three years? Even Pavelski, who's 34, 30, he's going to be 35 in a month. I should be saying he's 35 because that's how old he'll be the next time he, he takes the ice. He's 35 years old. You're not getting him for three years. That's going to take four. Guarantee it, unless he goes back to San Jose or he gets some insane cap hit that'll take a year off of his contract. You're not getting us P.K. Subban for three years. Tyler Myers is not only going to get $8 million a year, maybe, He's going to get seven years, and he's the same age, and he's not even near the level of player that Subban is. Two second-round picks and a C-level prospect. You couldn't have beat that. Maybe they didn't get the chance to. Really, it's on Nashville. Nashville, you couldn't have called around and seen what you could have got, what you could have done better. There's no way 29 GMs in the league that not one of them would have given you more than... Two prospects that almost no one had ever heard of. Like, they're, they're guys. They're, they'll be NHL players, maybe. We're not talking about, like, guys at development camp for the Sabres that you, you'll never hear from. Or you're like, oh, who's that guy? Oh, he's a fifth-round pick a couple years ago. Oh, okay. Like, we're not talking about that. But, seconds, thirds. Prospects that you're not holding your breath, hoping he's going to be the guy to come save your top six. Not even Victor Olofsson's. And I think that was a big missed opportunity. Maybe it was not an opportunity that they had the opportunity or that they even had the chance to get. But, man, I wish... David Poyle, how could you not have shopped him around? Were you that desperate to get him off your roster? He's Even at the end of the day, sure, you want to do some stuff. You want to sign Matt Duchesne. I get that. Your blue line's been great for years. You haven't won the Stanley Cup. Your blue line will still be great without Subban. I get that. And you want to fill that void at second line center that you were hoping Kyle Turris was going to fill and has not at all. So yeah, that makes sense. But you got to do a better job than two second round picks and those two prospects. And there had to have been a team in the league that would have given you more. If the Sabres wouldn't have given them more, I would have been, I would have been mad about that. 
Because what would he be on this team right now? And and by the way, this is this isn't like Subban would have said. Oh, he couldn't have said no to Buffalo when he went to Nashville. That was it. No, no movement clause. He had no say in where he was going. Other than I'm sure he could have threatened not to play or something insane like that. But he would have had to come here. And so that that wouldn't have been a hiccup in the deal. You bring him here. You got your number one defenseman in Rasmus Dahlin. Here's my number two now in PK Subban. I think Montour is a really good number three and Ristolainen. Now we don't. Maybe you want to trade him because now you've got a lot of cap tied up in your in your blue line. But if I don't, you slide him as your number four. That's the best blue line you've had in how long? Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker worker of yours. That's how you build a blue line. That's how Nashville did it originally when they first brought him in. They had Yossi who was a number one. They had Matthias Ekholm who was a really good number four. Ryan Ellis is a really good number three. They had a couple guys on their bottom six or in their on their on their last pair that you could get away with um, being like pretty good defensemen in limited minutes. But your top four, like you had three of the four guys. You had your number one in Yossi. You had your number three in Ellis. You had your number four in, number four in Ekholm. And what were they missing? A number two guy. Another top pair defenseman. Another guy you could play in the power play. Another guy you could put out there in late game situations. And they traded for P.K. Subban. Now they had Weber, but Subban was more of a long-term outlook because he was a lot younger. And that fit perfectly for them. It fit perfect. And you could have done something similar, something along those lines, and you didn't. You didn't get maybe get a chance to pull the trigger, and I wish they would have had it. Uh, and that's assuming that they would have even had an inkling that they could have got him. Which I'd have to think that was the case, right? I mean, there were Subban rumors the day before he got traded. Yeah, maybe there was a phone call made. I hope that there was, um, and I would have liked to see that. The other missed opportunity, not as much to me. Marlowe got traded. It was a complete cap dump. The Leafs, how about that? I mean, they are trying. They are oh, they are up against it. It is going to be tight for them. They are going to try to sign Marner, it looks like. They're going to sign. Did they sign Kapanen over the weekend? They signed Johansson over the weekend, maybe. Or there was reports that they were close. They've got three RFAs to sign. They've got a, they got to sign a couple defensemen still. And they are up against the cap. Even after... They traded almost $7 bucks off their books for Marlowe. And it took a first-round pick to do it. That's crazy. That is a trade that... I asked Paul this on Saturday. Like, is that a deal that... Like, when's the last time you've seen that? And Paul said that used to happen a lot. Um, it hasn't happened recently. Like, the only comparable I could think of was from a different sport. When the Houston Texans traded Brock Osweiler with that stupid contract they signed him to a couple years back, and they traded him to Cleveland along with a second-round pick just to take him, just to get it off their books. And that's what the Leafs did. They are so they're in such cap jail. They're so deep in cap jail that they needed to trade a first-round pick to get a respected player in their locker room who also still produced to a fairly uh, decent level. 
16 goals last year. Like, it's not nothing. He had 27 the year before that. So he's not too far removed from some really solid production. They traded a first to get rid of him. A first. And that's another thing. Like, maybe they wouldn't have done that in division, but I would have liked to see the Sabres be in on a deal like that. Maybe I wouldn't have loved them doing it straight up for a first because of how big that cap is, and I'm trying to accomplish other things. I acquired Patrick Marlowe, and he only, I think, did this because he assumed he's getting the buyout. He has a no-movement clause. I think he only accepts this because, hey, they agreed to buy me out I want to go back to San Jose. So it's not like you're getting him as a player, but you got to buy him out. So it's $3 million off your cap this year and roughly $3 million next year. That's not exact, but roughly. And... That limits what I can do right away. That limits what I can do this year. I've already got bad contracts. I've already got Bogosian. I've already got Oposo. I already got Scandella. I already got Saboka. So I wouldn't love them taking on more of that for a first-round pick because it's probably going to be a late first-round pick. But if I could have worked with Toronto a little bit, like how would Marlowe and Johansson have been for... You know, I could have given them something back. I don't need to give them a six-round pick like Caroline did, which is basically just a token draft pick to make sure the NHL knows, hey, they're getting something in return. It's a six-round pick, though. Marlowe and Johansson for a second? Is that enough? Because to me, now I'm Toronto. I'm not trading a first-round pick away. I'm trading a good young prospect, but I'm also at least receiving something back. Something. Second and a third? I would have loved to see if they could have worked that way. Value-wise, I feel like that's close. Um, and I like that jo- the, the Johansson kid for uh, Toronto. They're, they also have to sign. Like, I like him. He's good. 56 points last year. Oh, he's like some superstar player, but he'd certainly be in the Sabres' top six. And if I could have taken on a couple extra million dollars for the next two years to be able to land a player like that, like those are the type of ideas I want to see the Sabres try to accomplish uh, this offseason. They still have time to do it. There's, the next week is going to be very important to that. Uh, as I mentioned, we're a week away from free agency, and the trade market you would assume is going to heat up a little bit. Jason Bottrell spoke on that over the weekend that he thinks because the draft is a little further away from free agency, that could just push some of the trades a few days back. You know, Maybe in between now and free agency, you get those deals. Um, so I'm, I'm, And remember, trades can happen in whatever. Didn't Skinner? Skinner was in August. So, the Johansson Marlowe idea would have been fun, even if it was the first round pick. I would have I would have been interested in that, and the Subban idea. There are gonna be more of those out there. Will the Sabers be in on it? I hope that they will be. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty is the phone number. What do you want to see from the Sabers this off season? We'll also get some draft talk as we progress. Ryan Jankowski, the director of amateur scouting. Uh, with some in-depth in-depth look at Dylan Cousins and Ryan Johnson, their uh, two first-round picks, uh, as, as well as the draft as a whole, how they thought they did and uh, what they really liked about Cousins to take him over some other really good prospects at 7 overall. Development camp this week starts on Wednesday at 1 o'clock. I think that's the first practice down at Harbor Center. It's the nightcap with Jody Biasi, 803-0550 for your thoughts. If you want to call in or on the text line 555-50 or on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. More next. Stay tuned. Very good passer. I think he has more offensive skill than he's shown so far. He's um, he's younger. He's on the younger end. His uh, his birthday is like he's he's still 17. He's got another month to be 17. So he's you know fairly young. He's going to Minnesota next year. He needs he'll probably he might need you know two or three years there to get physically ready. But I think his offensive game will continue to grow. You know it was only last like a year before this he was still playing. 
Tier 1 hockey in Southern California. And he did really well in his first year in the USHL. That is Ryan Wagman. Covers prospects for McKean Hockey. Talking about Ryan Johnson, the Sabres' 31st overall pick. Defenseman. He's going to go to Minnesota. He mentions there two, three years. Um, so I actually, being that uh, you know, I grew up playing on the blue line. I'm a little more interested in defensemen than others. I think. I get this way with uh, football too, like wide receivers. I love to watch wide receiver film uh, in hockey. I love to watch uh, film on uh, on defensemen. Watched a couple of shift by shift videos, which basically just is. It's basically just a video that shows you only the shifts of that player uh, in games. And I watched a couple of different USHL games just watching Ryan Johnson and from last year, and a couple things stood out to me on him. I think if he takes those two, three years, and he does make the league, I think you're going to love him. Because I think the struggles he has right now are the type of struggles that it seems players tend to work out before they get to the league. Um, a couple of negatives on him watching him is he gets bumped off the puck super easily. Like, in his own end, he goes into a corner and he's got it. If there's a four-checker coming in and he he body checks him or he even tries to shove him off the puck, a lot of times that four-checker is going to be successful. But that's something, like like I said, that can be worked on. And generally, by the time you get to the league, uh, you're, you're much better at that. Uh, just that that comes from filling out. That comes from gaining strength and uh, being a little more balanced on your edges. So I think I think that can be fixed. The stuff he has is some of the kind of stuff that you can't teach. His ability to hit every single forward with a tape to tape pass in stride is great, and that's why I love the pick. That's the number one thing I would want the Sabres to look for every time they're thinking about who is going to play on our blue line. And this kid's got that, for sure. Of the three, four games, watching every shift of his, I mean, he may have missed on like three passes. <laughs> I mean, he he nails it in that department. Um, and he doesn't just have that. He also has the speed and the ability to carry the puck out of his own end and into the opposing end. So I think he could really become a really good offensive defenseman if he takes a couple years, like Ryan Wagman said there, and uh, really fine-tunes the, the the defensive zone part of his game and uh, you know the little things, building, strength, uh, all of that stuff. If he works on that while he's at Minnesota and he gets all of that right, I think he's going to be a really exciting player for the Sabres in the future. He reminds me of Gooley, in a way. Like, Gooley was... What was Gooley? Gooley had he has his holes. He was not the passer Johnson is. Um, I think he he got better at that as he went along. I don't think Gooley was a terrible passer, but I don't think he was as crisp as this smooth as this kid is. Um, but what Gooley had was that electricity where you would see him fly up the ice to join the rush. Like some, he was one of the fastest defensemen I feel like we've ever seen. Gooley. I mean, he's a, an insanely good skater, and Johnson has a bit of that. Like, you see him flying up the ice, joining rushes, and he seems to have a good sense of that as well. So, he reminds me of Gooley a little bit as a skater, just not quite as good, but I think he's got a lot more to his game. And I think that's part of the reason why he was a uh, he was a first-round pick, and Gooley was more of a mid-second-round pick uh, back in his day. 
More on Ryan Johnson as well as Dylan Cousins, who the Sabres selected first, seventh overall. And uh, some of the other players in the system. This Adam Huglin, or Aaron Huglin, I should say, I am uh, very intrigued with. He did the Michigan move. I reached a point in that draft on Saturday where I'm like, you know what? To hell with it. Yeah, what? Fourth, a fifth, a couple of sixth. They didn't have a fifth. A fourth round pick, a bunch of sixth round picks. Just draft dudes who have done the Michigan lacrosse move. I don't even know what to call it. I call it the Michigan move. But you know you know what I'm saying. You put the, the puck up on your stick and you almost wrap it around the goal but put it top shelf. Um, if you haven't seen him do it, he did it in a game against Canada. Like a huge stage in the U18 tournament. Um, so he's got that to his game. Let's uh, let's hear more on him as well. Ryan Jankowski, Sabres Director of Amateur Scouting, joined Howard and Jeremy this morning for a look at the Sabres draft class, including Dylan Cousins and all the other guys I just mentioned. Here is Ryan with the guys. We are going to our West Her hotline right now, and we're going to chat with the Sabres Director of Amateur Scouting, Ryan Jankowski. Ryan, it's Howard and Jeremy. Welcome back to the show. Nice to have you on again. Uh, great to be on, guys. I hope you're on a beach somewhere with your feet up relaxing. Soon. Uh, I'm going to be down in Buffalo this week for development camp, and then once uh, once we get through that, summer officially starts for us. Ryan, any first off, before we get your thoughts on the, on the guys you selected, overall, any surprises, any curveballs, anything happened that you guys kind of kind of threw you for a little bit of a loop at all over the two days? Not really. It's a draft, um, so you uh, you don't really know what's going to happen, especially once you get through pick uh, pick seven. And it kind of proceeded as we thought it might. A couple guys got taken earlier than we thought. A couple guys, uh, you know, we, we, we felt uh, real fortunate to pick. So, you know, overall, it's, um, it's kind of as, as expected as usual. You know, I'm curious. In your job, there's no instant gratification, you know, as opposed to, say, a scout for the Bills. You know, your first-round pick in NFL teams typically plays right away. Second, third, even fourth-round picks could play right away, if not start right away. NBA draft, right? Your first-round pick, and maybe your second, but your first-rounder could play right away. With you guys, you don't have that. You've got to wait years to see if this draft class was was any good. What's that like to deal with as a scout? Uh, I think you're just used to it. Um, that's the way it is. It's, um, it's, it's like that wherever you are in, uh, in NHL scouting. Um, it, you know, I, I think even for us to come to development camp and see – Mate Picard and Matias Samuelson from last year is going to be exciting. Um, to see Dylan Cousins on the ice this week is going to be exciting. And when they do play their first NHL games, whenever that may be, I think the fact that we've been down a long road with them, of watching them their draft year, seeing the development guys do their work many times, the American League coaches uh, being involved, it makes it even that much more sweet that it's three, four, five years down the road. How many uh, how many guys from this year's draft do you expect in town for the development camp this week? Uh, I think they're all going to be there. Aaron Hooglin is coming off a workout injury, so he's um, not going to be able to participate on the ice. But I think uh, I think our group's done a terrific job of getting everybody uh, ready to go and coming into Buffalo. So um, you know, kudos to them for getting them and, and the players. Uh, ability to get in so fast, but I think everybody should be there. Let's go through your guys. Uh, Dylan Cousins, let's start right there. What did you What did you and the, the scouts like so much about Dylan? Well, we love Dylan's potential. Um, I mean, he had a great year this year in Lethbridge. He's a big man that can skate extremely well. He's got good offensive abilities. 
Uh, we think that's only going to develop and improve over time as he gets stronger, as he becomes what we call a little bit more hockey mature. Um, and, and the fact that he plays a, a strong 200-foot game with an offensive component uh, at that size, at his skating ability, makes it really exciting for us. Do you guys, I know when we had you on last week, Ryan, we talked about, you talked about best player available, but typically would you lean towards a center over wingers? Um, if we needed a tiebreaker, yes. I mean, we're not going to uh, take Dylan Cousins over a Capococco just because uh, Dylan Cousins is a center and Capococco is a winger. Uh, but saying that, we may break some ties if we needed to. Um, but uh, but that would be, you know, that would be a rare situation. You know, when it comes to drafts, like fans and ourselves, we're always like, when is this guy going to get here? We want to see them as soon as possible. Um, it doesn't sound like any of these guys would be expected to be here this season. So, with Cousins, is there any feel for any kind of timeline? How how advanced do you think he is at this point? Well, we know he's a real good hockey player. He's developed a lot the last two years. Uh, obviously, it's going to depend on his development over the next couple of years. But, um, you know, as he puts on weight, as he becomes stronger, as he gains more confidence, it may be sooner than later. But we also want to make sure it's the right development path. And that's, uh, that's the beauty of, for me, Jason Bottrell and our development department is there's no rush. We want to make sure that the player's ready to go. He's ready to play in Buffalo so that he's um, – He's not learning under fire and playing a, a game just to survive. So um, is that one year from now? Well, it depends on De- Dylan's development this year, on his strengths and his overall game. Is it two years from now? It very well might could be, but we don't really ever put a timeline on guys because we want them to just take it as natural. With Ryan Johnson, though, your other pick in the first round, I, I, was, I, I saw some – Really impressive video clips of him with some some fancy plays he was making, and I was intrigued by what they were saying about him when in terms of his hockey sense and where that is. Maybe you could add a little bit to that on Ryan. Well, Ryan, we call a new age defenseman. He's in a, he's a very good skater. He moves the puck extremely well. He's also grown a lot in the last two years. So we think that there's still a lot of maturity for him to come through here from a physical standpoint. I mean, I'll say that for every kid, but for a kid like Ryan, who's grown quite a bit the last two years, um, what he does on the ice and his abilities are terrific. And that's what we like about him. But the fact that um, he's still going to grow into his body, still going to get stronger here. Um, he, He didn't put up a lot of points this year, but we think he has a byproduct of an offensive game. What I mean by that is that he moves pucks extremely well. He's got very good hockey sense. So although he might not drive a lot of offense through numbers, he's going to be a part of the offense just because of how well he moves the puck. You know, you mentioned new age defensemen. Isn't that, shouldn't it just be defensemen? Like the days of a long time ago, you know, you could characterize you want maybe stay-at-home defensemen. Wouldn't now, anytime you're looking for a defenseman, the guy's got to be mobile puck mover, join in on the offense, right? Isn't that what you want from D-men now in the game? I sure think so. I think that's the way the game is trended. I think that's the way the game is going. And yet saying that, um, you know, the Stanley Cup champions had a real big defense. Mm. They had some guys that just played a real strong defensive role. They were hard to play against. I still think there is a part of that, and that's Jason's call in building a team. But when you're looking in the first round and you got pick 31 – uh, the, the opportunity to get a mobile puck mover that can skate, 
Um, he's not Rasmus Dahlin, but he has, you know, a lot of defensemen now coming up. The elite defensemen have those kind of skills, and, and that is the way the game is trending. We're with Ryan Jankowski, the Sabres Director of Amateur Scouting. The goalie in round three, Ryan, I want to ask you about that. Uh, and again, I know, you know, the draft, these guys are years down the road, but you have a young goalie here in Olmark. You have a goalie who's performed really well uh, and should be in Rochester. It will be in Rochester this year in Ukapekalukanen. What, what, what did you see about uh, uh, Portillo that you thought, let's jump on this kid in round three? Well, the fact that he's developed quite a bit here in the last year, he went undrafted uh, one year ago. Um, he had a terrific season in Frölunda Juniors in uh, in Sweden. And um, we, we like the intel we have with Frölunda, with, um, with obviously Rasmus Dahlins, uh coming up through that program. But um, he really took off this year. And I think the fact that he's big, and we know that goaltenders take some time. Um, we think there's potential there. We also like the path that he's going on, uh, playing in the USHL next year, then going to the University of Michigan. So mm-hmm. we have time with him, and he's going to have time to develop. So we saw the upside. We've seen the development the last couple of years. We like the path, and we thought just, again, to, to build our goaltending stable, to get more depth at the, or at the position. And, and goaltenders are hard to figure out because you don't know – really when the goaltenders are going to start going in the draft. So we felt that was an appropriate time to pick a goaltender that we like. There is Ryan Jankowski. We'll hear more from him when we come back. Also, you know, there's another free agent I I failed to mention when we were talking about Joe Pavelski especially as like a veteran guy you could bring in uh, as your second-line center. It's not as popular an idea, but I wonder if it's a more realistic idea. Uh, for the Sabres. Talk plenty of free agency and trade and draft as we progress here. It's Nightcap with Jody Biasi. More Ryan Jankowski after this on WGR. Having a little fun with our uh, Twitter question of the day. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. You know what? I just thought, what the hell? Who would win a WGR Royal Rumble? It's a good question, right? Lots of opinions flooding in right now. Lots of, uh, I would say most people are saying either Bulldog or Howard would win a WGR Royal Rumble. 803-550 if you want to do that there. Um, or you can respond on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. Uh, You'll also find on my Twitter um, a link to donate to the uh, 11-day power play. I got my page up on there. We appreciate uh, everybody that's donated so far, and we're looking for more. Uh, we're going to be on the ice July 10th. All, all of the donations go to uh, Roswell Park, Make-A-Wish, uh, Western New York, as well as uh, Camp Good Day. So we appreciate everyone, that, like I said, that's donated so far, and we're looking for more. Uh, go to my Twitter, at SneakyJoeWGR, to uh, find it there. As we're uh, July 10th, a couple weeks away, 2-3. Yeah, we're getting there. Anyways, uh, we press pause on Ryan Jankowski, Sabres Director of Amateur Scouting, was on with Howard and Jeremy this morning. Here is the rest of his conversation uh, with the guys breaking down the Sabres 2019 draft class. Hey, one other thing, a couple things before we let you go, Ryan. You brought up USHL. I wanted to ask you about that. In terms of the development, right? When you get, you know, USHL versus, you know, you know Division One hockey, is the USHL an area where scouts look at that as a good stepping stone? How does that stack up versus someone going, you know, right to that four year college to play? Well, I think for a goaltender, it'll allow him a year to get adjusted in North America. The ice is smaller, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different style of hockey. Uh, he'll play a meaningful schedule. Like there's there's 68 games. They do a lot of travel. 
Um, it'll get him used to a little bit of a grind of North America. Um, and then to be able to step into college against the bigger, uh, better players, the older players, it's a real nice transition. If he was thrown right into that this year um, in Michigan, I think he'd be able to handle it, but it would be a little bit more of an eye-opener adjustment for him. So the fact that he's taking the extra year uh, speaks a lot to his development. Final thing about the development camp, I wanted to get your thoughts on this too. You know, your your job obviously to get prepare for the draft and, and look at prospects, but I'm sure you guys still track prospects you have taken in previous drafts. You mentioned Picar and Samuelson. I, I was curious with the camp this week, um, who are some of the guys that, you know, you you guys, the scouts have been tracking from the last couple drafts that you're really excited to see at the camp later this week? Well, I think um, Oskari Laksanen had such a great year in Finland. It'll be fun to see him there. Uh, Marcus Davidson, uh, who plays in Sweden, will be over. Um, you know, and then, of course, last year's draft with Matthias and Picard, but also our Europeans, uh, Linus Kronholm and, and uh, Miska Kukunen. It's going to be exciting to have them there. And then, obviously, to see Dylan Cousins, who will uh, come in. And, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a chance for everybody to just come in and develop. And it's, there's no emphasis on evaluation. It's about where they're at physically. It's about getting a physical plan together for the players. About kind of here's what the Buffalo Sabres are all about. Here's what's important to us. And the exciting part is that we get all our prospects in and a chance to kind of grow as an organization with it. All right. You got your initial board ready for the 2020 draft yet? Or am I, I should give you a few more days. Uh, let's wait a little bit. Okay. I'll let you take a breather for a little bit. Thanks again for coming on with us, Ryan. Appreciate you giving us uh, some time and uh, enjoy the camp later this week. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Ryan Jankowski, Sabres Director of Amateur Scouting with Howard and Jeremy this morning. A little more wrap on the uh, draft, as well as our Twitter question that I just brought up. Who'd win a WGR Royal Rumble? If you want to get in on that, feel free. We got some Sal voters jumping in on the mix. Mostly Howards and uh, and Bulldogs so far, though, thinking they'd win. Depending on the order. You never know what the order is going to be. Um, 803 is the phone number. Some more free agent ideas, too. Jason Spetz is a name that isn't really... It's not a sexy pick. He's older, and he's not the player he once was, but I could totally see that happening. And I'll tell you why after this. It's the nightcap with Jody Biasi. 803 is the phone number if you want to get in on the conversation here on WGR. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. There's been a trade in the NHL, not with the Sabres, but there's been a trade in the NHL. The Chicago Blackhawks have sent defenseman Gustav Forsling and backup goaltender Anton Forsberg to the Carolina Hurricanes for defenseman Calvin DeHaan. You might remember Calvin DeHaan. He was kind of a intriguing idea that I think the Sabres, um, that we talked about as for the Sabres last offseason, uh, coming from the New York Islanders. He ended up with the Hurricanes on a, you know, pretty decent-sized contract. I think he's making over $4 million a year for a few more years. Um 
he is looking at I get the exact contract details for you because Chicago did not send away like they sent away like entry level contracts essentially. DeHaan's got three more years at four point five five million, and I mean he's fine, but he's not worth that contract. And this move, man. I mean, I've been on this train for a while, but DeHaan had one goal and 13 assists last year in 74 games. He's supposed to be like an offensive defenseman, did not play big minutes for Carolina, and only one point in the playoffs. You can get Bogosian's contract off. You can get Scandella's contract off. Look what that just was. That is not a good contract. That guy has three years left on that cap hit. Bogosian has one. Scandella has one. I don't need much back. Just get them off their cap. And Chicago didn't give up much. They gave up a backup goalie and a third-pair defenseman who maybe is more of a AHL slash NHL, like kind of a fringe guy, than a than a good NHL like defenseman. They didn't give up anything. That move just reeks of desperation to me for, for the Blackhawks. They are trying to save any final... They're trying to squeeze out any last success with this core. And it is going to be tough. I mean, you got Sean Tierney from Charting Hockey who has his uh, projector tool. And he's, like, working with it. And he's like, I, I scratched Brent Seabrook and did this other stuff. And I still couldn't make them a playoff team. 87 points was what he got to. And that's with a healthy Corey Crawford, which you cannot count on at this point. So they're... That is a desperation move right there from the Blackhawks, and it's the type of move that, let's see if there's some other GMs around the league that want to do similar stuff. Because the Sabres got some defensemen right now in Scandella and Bogosian that I think you can convince other teams are good and will help them, when in reality they are just they are just dragging your cap. They are just hurting it. And they're third-pair guys at best, and you're paying them like top-end second-pair guy, second guys. So, do that. What Carolina just did. They just moved a bad contract off their books and didn't take any salary back. So to me, that says that that is what is that that's possible. It's a possible thing that the Sabres can get accomplished this offseason. If they want to make a big swing in free agency, uh, they'll have they might have to do a move like that. Um, if they want to do more than one big free agent move, especially if they they'll uh, have to do a move like that. Anyways, uh, I mentioned Jason Spezza before the uh, before the break. I, I want to run down. Some of the free agents, though, because I'm not necessarily thinking of all of these free agents right now as, all right, would that be a good idea for the Sabres? Would that be a good idea for the Sabres? Do I want him? Do I want him? I'm thinking more like, what's realistic? Because we all are optimistic, to some extent, um, about their future outlook with Darlene and Eichel and Reinhardt and, and Skinner. But realistically, when you look at the Sabres situation, what can they get? in free agency right now. And I'm looking at this list of free agents right now, and I want to go through them and see, just trying to find out which one is realistic and who's not unrealistic. Who is, who's realistic, who's unrealistic. And some of these guys are good ideas for the Sabres. Some of them are bad ideas. Some you'll have to overpay. Um, but some, a lot of these guys think you can actually get. Number one scoring free agent from last year, Artemi Panarin. Completely unrealistic. He's not coming here. He's going to a big city. Even he's not going back to Chicago, which a lot of people thought would happen. Dave Pagnota reported today that he's not going back to Chicago. He'll take a meeting with them. But the Rangers and the Panthers are still the front runners to land Panarin. Warm weather or big city. That seems where he's going. Matt Duchesne, number two. I do think that's realistic. I think Duchesne's going to be looking for a pretty penny. He's 28 years old. 
He can take on that attitude of, I can take a little bit of patience. You know, I don't need to win the cup this year. I've got a lot of career left in front of me. Let me join up with some other young stars, and let's let's do this thing for five, six, seven years. I think you will have to overpay him. I think you will probably have to give him at least what you gave Skinner. 70 points last year. He puts up more points than uh, Skinner does. Plus, he's a center. So you're giving him at least $9 million, but I do think that's realistic. And the Sabres have the room to give him $9 million if they want to. Joe Pavelski, I, I spent a lot of time on this in the first hour. Uh, I can think it's completely unrealistic. I don't think he's coming here. I think he will only leave San Jose if it is to win a, a if it is a great chance to win a Stanley Cup right away. Gustav Nyquist, 60 points last year. Pretty good, right? 30 years old, though, and he had a couple down years before that with Detroit. I think part of that boost in points was that last, uh, that last month or so that he played with San Jose, and... Yeah, I think that's. A, I think he'd be good here, but he's 30 years old, and what kind of contract do I have to give him? So I'll say he's realistic, but he's not an idea I want the Sabres to chase because of his age and I think because of what it would cost. Ryan Dezingle, 56 points last year, only 27. Ottawa in the Blue Jackets last year, he was traded at the deadline. I think that's realistic for sure. Um, he'd probably come with a... Decent sized contract. I don't think you'd have to give him like a full seven year deal or anything, but four or five years, maybe with a like a four or five million dollar cap hit somewhere in there. I think that's that's gettable. Um, and he's an idea I like. I don't think he's a great player, but I think he's a guy that you can play in your top six. I mean, he was on Ottawa's top line uh, when they were came away from the Stanley Cup, so he's good. I think he's pretty good. Justin Williams, unrealistic. This is like the fifth time he's come up in free agency. That I think everyone's like, oh, let's get Justin Williams. He's not going to come here. I don't think. Same thing, similar thing to Pavelski. Um, if, if he's going to leave Carolina, is he going to Boston? Is he going to Pittsburgh? He's going to go try to win another cup. Joe Thornton is not leaving San Jose, so that's unrealistic. Anders Lee, I'm going to label as unrealistic right now, too. He's taking meetings, which gives me a little bit of hope. Uh, he's supposed to meet with Chicago, I guess. And... The uh, the Leafs trading Marlowe to me leads me to think the Sabres can't sign Anders Lee. Uh, I'll tell you how I got there. I thought for sure Marner would get offer sheeted by the by the Islanders. It makes more sense than any offer sheet that's ever happened. Lou Lamorello drafted Mitch Marner while he was the Leafs GM. The Islanders just lost their superstar player John Tavares to the Leafs last year. They have the cap room to do it. They need a star player like that. He would fit perfectly with Matthew Barzell. There's no reason not to do anything Mitch Marner wants to try to pry him away from Toronto. But Toronto trading Marlowe, they have more cap space. They still have some work to do. They might have to trade Kadri. They might have to find a way to get uh, Frederick Anderson off the roster for a different goalie that's cheaper. But I think they're going to get it done. I think they're going to make enough room to be able to keep Marner. I'm not sold on that, but I'm... I think I'd be more optimistic if I'm a Leafs fan that Marner's sticking around post-Patrick Marlowe trade. And to me, if you keep in Marner, that means the Islanders aren't spending that giant salary on him. And Anders Lee probably ends up back with the Islanders in that respect. He's their captain, and if you're not getting Marner, there's no reason not to keep him. He's actually their best center. He scored 40 goals two years ago. He scored 28 last year without John Tavares, so it's not like he's just scoring because of Tavares. Um, I think he's a... Decent idea for the Sabres is like a second-line center, but I don't think he ends up out of the out of New York, so I'm going to label that, for now, 
as uh, unrealistic for the Sabres. Anders Lee. Couple other free agents I want to get to. I don't want to go too far down this list. Just the guys pretty much above 40 points from last year. Matt Zuccarillo. I think that's realistic. 32. Almost a point a game, actually, last year. He had 40 points in 48 games. I think he's just going to be looking to get paid. Really. He's never really had a monster contract. He was actually one of the more uh, discounted players in the league, given his production. Uh, $4.5 million for being on a, a top line of the Rangers for five years now, maybe. Uh, he's been a discounted player, so I think he's going to look to get paid in the Sabres. I think maybe they end up getting to their free agent list and say, all right, we can't get Duchesne. Maybe we can't get Pavelski. We didn't end up getting Zingle. Here's Zuccarello, 40 points, 48 games. I mean, he's 32, but maybe he's only asking for five years. I think I could get him, so I think that's realistic. And the last one I think is realistic as well, uh, Michael Furland. Paul talked about him today while he's on with Chopin the Bulldog. 40 points last year. He's a good, a really good bottom six player that can play in your top six. He's not going to light the world on fire, but he can give you 15 to 20 goals and 40 points on a given year and give you a lot of other stuff as well. So I think he's a player the Sabres could like, and he's only 27, so there's the age thing. One more, actually, I should probably throw him in there. Uh, Jonas Donskoy. Everyone seems to talk about him. The report from Friday from Pierre Lebrun says that he's going to test free agency, and I don't love that idea, to be honest, especially as much as a lot of other people, but definitely realistic. So pretty much, I went through that list. I think the the only free agents at this point that I would say are definitely unrealistic are Temi Panarin, Joe Pavelski, Justin Williams, Joe Thornton, Anders Lee. I don't think you're getting your hands on those five players. And those are five of the better free agents, at least for now, uh, that are supposed to hit unrestricted free agency. Scanning through this list a little deeper, there's a lot of former Sabres on here that are going to be hitting the open market. Thomas Vanek, Pominville, who was here last year. Tyler Myers, who we talked about a little about earlier. Oh my god. Seven years, $8 million a year is insane. But that might end up happening. <laughs> It'll be crazy. That, I mean, he's going to be the, the sixth highest paid defenseman in the league. I think if he gets that contract, which might not happen, it's only reported, but the only defensemen that would be making more are Doughty, Subban, Shea Weber, oh, and there's one more. Brent Burns, maybe? There's someone else. Oh, Carlson. He just signed $11.5 million. It's insane. $8 million for Tyler Myers. He's a second-pair guy. I like Tyler Myers. A month ago, I was saying, hey, we should re-sign him. I'd love to bring him back here. But I was thinking like $5 million. Like something realistic. Jim Benning, maybe in Vancouver, is about to hand this guy a $56 million check. To have at it. I, I like him, but not that much. Not that much at all. You know what else I should say, by the way? Before we take a break. If Tyler... In a world where Tyler Myers might get $8 million a year, you should get a, something really nice for Rasmus Ristolainen. He's a better player than Tyler Myers is. I think they're very comparable. I've compared them many times on the show. I think they're comparable. I do think Ristolainen's a little bit better, and he's five years younger. He certainly puts up more points. They both have their woes in their own end. Ristolainen puts up more points, though. Consistently. Myers has not hit 40 points, I think, since his second year with the Sabres. He hit his 40 points his first two years with Buffalo. Hasn't done it since. Ristolainen, I think, has done it like five years in a row. 
So you're getting more offensive production there. You're getting a guy who's five years younger, and you're getting a guy on a way better contract of what this report, if this report's accurate. So you should be able to get something really nice. Find the team, by the way, just before they even sign Myers. Find the team that's about to do that. That's what Bottrell should be doing. Hunt down the general manager that's about to pay Tyler Myers $56 million over seven years and see if they want Rasmus Ristolainen. Because if you want him at that, then you should want to give up something pretty nice for uh, Risto. If it is the Canucks, man, what's crazier? What's crazier? Trading Tyler or uh, trading Rasmus? Uh, let me try, try this again. Brock Besser. There's a report today that he's not close in talks with the Canucks. What's crazier? Trading Brock Besser for Rasmus Ristolainen or signing Tyler Myers to a seven-year, eight million dollar year contract? They're both crazy, I think. I would argue maybe the former is less crazy. The contract that was ported on Myers is insane. 8030550 is the phone number. Jake Gardner, I didn't mention there either. I didn't really go into much in defensemen. I guess I just don't think the Sabres are going to be big players in that market. Um, I would say Gardner is unrealistic, though, if I had to. I just think he's going to overprice himself, and I don't think the Sabres going to go there at all. He's not good enough. He's going to get... If Myers get eight, maybe... He, if he does... Then maybe uh, Gardner gets seven, maybe more, maybe a little less. Either way, I don't want to touch that for anything more than like five million. That's why free agency can be frustrating because there are players that I like, there are players that you like, and sometimes they just get way overpaid and there's nothing you can do about it. Because you can't sign them, you can't sign guys to ridiculous contracts at the end of the day. It's better to not have him than be paying him twice what's com- what you're comfortable paying him. 803050 is the phone number. We also got our, of course, our uh, our question on Twitter. Who would win a WGR Royal Rumble? See if we got any good recent responses on this. Kevin says Sal would win because he'd be willing to use the steel chair. Anything for a victory. I can see that. I think Sal would do anything for, for a victory. Maybe not everything. He doesn't strike me as like a dirty player, though. And that's, to me, what that reads like. Like, I, I couldn't see Sal, like... You know, kicking a guy in the knees or uh, poking him in the eyes. I, I don't think that's him. I think maybe he'd use a steel chair, but he'd do it if he's facing you. You know what I mean? He's going to win, but he's going to do it honorably. So I don't mind the sale pick, but I don't think he'd play dirty. Keep up the tweets, though. We got a lot of them. 803 is the phone number. We'll, uh, we'll get into some more draft stuff, too. Craig Button from TSN is one of their big draft guys, and he seemed to like the Sabres draft class. We'll play a little of that uh, from earlier as well uh, because he had some good things to say about the Sabre prospects that they landed over the weekend. Stay tuned. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Who do you think would win a WGR Royal Rumble? Be a part of the conversation on my Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. Or if you want, you can call in and we'll get you on if you want to talk about that. Or Sabre stuff. You know, the draft was over the weekend. Free agency's a week away. There's lots of trade speculation. Ristolainen, uh, Renault Lavoie, I think, had something on him. He's going to be on the morning show tomorrow. So tune in for that just after 9 o'clock. Love saying his name. Renault Lavoie. I, I took five years of French, so... It, it gives me great joy to pronounce a man's name like that. Renault Lavoie. Uh, Craig Button. Not French-Canadian at all. 
He was on uh, the Instigators this morning, TSN, draft analyst, former general manager of the Dallas Stars. And uh, he's very plugged into the prospects. He loved the Dylan Cousins pick. Um, he liked a lot about what the Sabres did in the draft. And uh, he's someone who studies these prospects like night in and night out. So uh, let's get Craig's uh, thoughts in on that in case you missed it. Craig uh, joining uh, Craig, Craig Button joining Craig Reve and Andrew Peters today on the Instigators. Tell us about Dylan Cousins. Big motor, big motor. I told Jason Blotterill this on Friday night. I think it's exactly what the Buffalo Sabres need in terms of somebody that's going to get in there and he's going to compete and he's going to drive play and he's, he's going to get invested in every part of the game that's hard and, and he's determined to make a difference. And, you know, when you watch a player like Dylan play, and, and I use the term he's going, to, he's going to compete in every square inch of ice, that's how he plays. And I think, if anything, at times, you know, Dylan wants to make – Every single effort in every single area at every single time, that's part of maturity. That's part of growing and understanding, okay, I'm just going to manage this part because I, I can't get there. But it's that determination. He's, he's, he's wired to compete. He's wired to make a difference. And I really think, and we know requisite skills. He's, he's got size. He's got power. He can skate. So he, he's got offense. So to me, and I, I said this last week, uh, I said at seven, the Buffalo Sabres can't go wrong. There's no way you can go wrong. And you, whether you take Dylan Cousins or your kid, and they're, they're, they were considering other players, but they couldn't go wrong at seven. You, what you got to do is, is get in there, celebrate who you're, who, you're, who you're drafting, get in there and help them develop. And I think Dylan is, a, is an excellent, excellent fit for the Buffalo Sabres. And what he brings, I think, is incredibly important for success. Now, give me one thing that he does exceptionally well and one thing that this player needs to work on in his development uh, moving forward. His, his skating, Craig, is, is outstanding. He, 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 can, he can push back defenders and, and get you backed up on your heels. And because he's got the size to go along with that, with that powerful skating, the speed, I think that it's, it's something that really – it gives you an opportunity to, to push to the net, to back up those defenders, to make them uncomfortable. And at the same time, as you're backing up defenders, ice is opening up around you. So that's going to be a beneficial uh, asset uh, to other players that are on the ice with them. And, and, and I think it, it, it's excellent. He's an excellent skater. I, I think it's really interesting to me with Dylan. And he, he might start on the right wing as a, as in the NHL. He might, he might be best suited there. But as a center iceman, I find that he's, and this is where it goes back to, you know, learning how to be, learning what you can and what you can't do. So he plays center ice, and as a, as a center iceman, he wants to distribute the puck. So he's looking to get it right, he's looking to get it left, and like a good centerman should do, is scan the ice. But also at the same time, I think it slows down his skating, and, and that becomes a big, uh, a big attribute for him. So I think what he's got to do is, is learn that, you know, if he's in the middle of the ice, hey, listen, your pace, play fast, get up, and, and he plays fast, but I think he gets a little bit too weighted to, oh, i got to make a play, and then he's not playing at the same speed and pace, and now he, it doesn't become as much of a factor. His size, now he gets into unnecessary battles. I think it's all developmental, and, and I'll give you a comparison, and I, and, and I think it happened to him at the same age, and then we've seen what he's become. Nathan McKinnon was like that. He had the great speed. But in the middle of the ice, sometimes, okay, I've got to be in the right position. I've got to make this play. I've got to make sure I get it there. And it slows you down. Once you get comfortable and once you get your pace to play up and, and just say, hey, listen, I'm playing tag, then it's all going to come naturally. 
I think that's where Dylan's got to go. And I, I, like I said, I think it's developmental. Are you, are you telling me right now that uh, you can see Dylan Cousins having uh, Nate McKinnon speed in the future? Well, I mean, he's got that high-end speed. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not, <laughs> because I'm not that, that would be pretty that. darn I, good. I, yeah, well, he is. But I, I was using the comparison of that great speed. But when you're in the middle of the ice, and, and Craig, you're, you're a defenseman. And when, you, when, you're, when you're trying to close down a play and a guy's coming to you with speed, right, that creates a lot of uneasiness for a defenseman because, you know, you're worried about getting beat right, you're worried about getting beat left. When that centerman slows down, you can become a little bit more zeroed in on him, right? And I think that's what Nathan learned how to do. I mean, Nathan was the first overall pick. He was rookie of the year. But as he, as he developed, I think it really helped them to understand that, like, I'm comfortable playing fast all the time, and now what we see with that. I'm just telling you that that's what I think where Dylan needs to develop, like a lot of players, and I think it's developmental. Like I think that's an area that he can work on and will work on and will improve upon. Craig Button, TSN analyst and TSN scout on the line right now. He was at the draft, knows every prospect in the draft, knew us when we were uh... – when we were just young prospects, former general manager, and got to say it, I hate to say it, Stanley Cup champion with the 1999 Dallas Stars as uh, director of player personnel, um, joins us on the line. Before we move off, Cullens, talk a little bit about Johnson and then other things that happened at the draft. How long before you see him uh, step into the league? Who's that? Cousins? Cousins, or yeah. Well, I think, like, I really think it benefits a player another year playing playing junior, you know, getting the opportunity to play at the world junior level. I, I really think, you know, he was a really good player in Lethbridge this year. You know, go back and be that dominant player and go to the world junior, you know, where you're within your age group, the best players in your age group, and go there because, you know, those are – you increase your level and your performance and your productivity, that dominant, that domination at the junior level, and then go to the next level, which is the world junior, and go there – and be a really good player. Challenge yourself. And, and, and then next September, 2020, you know what? Come to camp with a really good understanding of, you know, because he, he would have been at a camp. He would have been through a second development camp, World Junior. And I think that he'll be really suited to come in and be able to compete for a spot on the team. And, and I think that that's, that's a timeline I would have for, for Dylan. Uh, Sabres picked 31 also in the first round. Ryan Johnson, what can you tell us about uh, RJ? Ryan really, uh, you know, excellent skater. And, you know, as a defenseman, you have to be able to to pivot right, pivot left. You have to move laterally. You have to beat the four check. You have to get into spots and out of spots quickly so you don't get pinned in your own zone. And Ryan does all those things uh, very, very well. And, I think it's really important for defensemen to be able to use their skating defensively to close and to be able to beat pressure to get up the ice and a lot of good offensive players. And you've got to be able to make plays with the puck. I don't think Ryan's going to be a high-end production player offensively, but if you can't get out of your zone, you're never going to create offense. And I think that Ryan really does an excellent job of doing all those things to close defensively, and then when he has the puck, to be able to get it up the ice quickly. And I think those are essential to creating offense. Would you? He really. He he just he just he just kept steadily finding out in in his own play how good he can be over the course of the year. Starts out the year in Sioux Falls. You can see all the abilities. Then he went to the World Junior A Challenge in Bonneville in December. USA won the gold medal, and 
I think it was at that point in time that he, he realized, you know what, competing is fun. Competing can be really hard, but when you get on the when, when you get invested fully and you find your way on the right side of winning, you start to realize, hey, wait a second here, I'm a pretty good player. And then the Sioux Falls Stampede won the USHL championship. You talk about somebody that just had a steady progression in terms of his play and what I like to call mastering the elements of his game. I think Ryan did that exceptionally well. And, you know, you want to, the game is about skating. The game is about making quick decisions and about getting the puck up the ice, either carrying it or passing it. Ryan can do those things. I might be way off here, but when you describe that type of player, I played with a guy back in San Jose who was an extremely young guy at the time, and his name was Mark Edward Velasic. Not overly big, skated exceptionally well, had a great first pass, knew how to defend well. Is this, is it, am I off when I'm, when I'm thinking about a Mark Edward Velasic type player? Not at all, Craig. Not at all. And, and you know what? It's a, I, I think it's a very, very good and appropriate comparison. Because, you know, when I said he's never going to be the player that's going to put up those big, you know, gaudy offensive numbers, he, he's that player, as you just described, and you played alongside. And as we know, Mark Edward ended up, the, the, you know, on Team Canada and becoming a real important part of, uh, of championships there. So I definitely think that Ryan, and as you well know, Craig, playing with a guy like Mark Edward, like they start to gain this confidence of, about how good they can be, and, and then they become valued within the group. And I think Ryan's uh, in a very similar vein to, to Mark Edward. I think it's a great, great wow. comparable name. I don't. I, I would hate to lose my partner in crime here, Craig Reve, but I'm going to tell you something, Mr. Button. Craig Button joining us on the line. Rivs belongs in like a general manager seat or something. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> There's not a guy out there that knows this league better than anyone. And he said to me when we first got in, he's like, I used to know all the league and all the players, and I haven't watched in a while. And there was like a three-year gap where he didn't know anybody. And now I could ask him any player on any team, he'll tell, you, tell me where he's from, stats, and his salary. you got to get well, him a you job. You know what? I'm, I'm going to send you guys an article. And it was from the New Yorker. And uh, Jalen Rose was interviewed. Uh, talking about being an ex-player and what it means and everything. Anyway, what you just described, Andrew, and it applies to you, it applies to Craig, it applies to, to, to players as they move from playing and they're trying to find what their, what their next role is going to be. But I'm going to send it to you because I think it's outstanding. And it speaks to the experiences you've had as players that are real, that are meaningful, and that can be really, really important if you want to be part of a team or you want to be part of analyzing the game in some way, shape, or form. So I'm going to send that to you and what you just said about Craig. And, and, and don't take a back seat here. I think it applies to, to you and to former players. There's experiences you guys have had that nobody else has had that are extremely valuable and, that, and that's a real positive. No, and you know why I said that about Craig? Because I knew you'd throw a compliment in there for me, too. I knew you would. Because that's the <laughs> so way really you are, Mr. Button. You just like to make everybody feel good. <laughs> what you're saying is, is I'm a sucker. You, you suck me in. <laughs> uh, you call it sucker. I say I'm happy. That's all I have to okay. say. Let's talk more about the draft. What were some of the uh, bigger stories? I mean, the P.K. Subban trade. Let's, let's talk well, about this one. Before we go there, I, I want to know about uh, a player that we, a lot of people here in Buffalo talked about. Um, a lot of people thought that that was going to be the pick. This young man was going to be the pick here in Buffalo. And that was Cole Caulfield, you know, oh, had yeah. a tremendous uh, 
um, time in his national development uh, program. He scored a ton of goals. Uh, Buffalo needs uh, a goal scorer. Were you surprised that he fell that far in the draft at number 15? Well, I, I would say, I, here's what I would say, Craig. I would say yes, but no. Yes, in the sense that, to me, he's the best goal scorer in the, gra- in the draft. But no. And, and, again, I thought from pick, like, you know, however you look at the players, the players after three, for me, the three players were, were Hughes, Turco, uh, the Hughes, Kako, and Byram. And then after that, it, it was, there was four to 15, you know, including the goaltender, Spencer Knights, uh, uh, some defensemen, some forwards, some centers, some wingers. And I, and I really felt that it was, it, was a, it was a group that you could select from and, and you could say, okay, do we want a player like Dylan Cousins, big, powerful, skate, big motor? Do we want, do we want somebody like uh, a Matthew Boldy, who, who's a left winger that plays a little bit differently but has a skill and a power element? Or do you want Cole Caulfield, the, the, the 72 goal scorer? Trevor Zegras, a really creative centerman. I, I think that there was lots of different types of players but they were all in a group of players. And that's why I said, that, that to me, there was no way the Sabres could go wrong at seven. And you're, you're left with choices. Is this what we want or do we want this? And uh, like for sure the Buffalo Sabres like Cole Caulfield and Zegris and, and Boldy and probably Philip Broberg and Soderstrom and those guys. But you can only take one of them. And what you want to try to do is just figure out, okay, how does our team look? What do we want to add? What does each player bring to our team? And absolutely, goals are important. But, you know, Dylan Cousins had, I think, 34 uh, with the Lethbridge Hurricanes. So that's nothing to sneeze at. And certainly, you, you, you know, Cole Caulfield is, a, is an elite goal scorer. But, you know, that's what it comes It's not one player. You're always looking at multiple players at any point in the draft. And you can go to one. I mean, New Jersey was looking at two players. They were looking at Hughes and Kako. And then at two, I'm, you know, you're looking at Kako and Byram. And at three, it's Doc and Turcotte and, that they're looking at. So, you know, it's never about just one clear-cut player unless your name happens to be Connor McDavid. And uh, after that, you're looking at multiple players. So as good as Cole is, and, and I love him, and I think the Montreal Canadiens got a really good player, I, I, I think that group, uh, of the, that group of players, 4 to 15 in that, in that range, they were all very similar in terms of what their potential is to be really good contributing NHL players. Well, I'll I'll say this, and I don't know how you feel. I don't. I mean, I think I, I I could probably speak for Craig, but I won't. I love players from the WHL. I love WHL players because they've had to they've had to do it the hard way. A lot of them are, you know, they come from small towns. You know, they're they're not coming from great weather, but they spend a ton of time on the bus, and they just. I, for me, there's just something about I feel like the WHL kids just have a little bit more of an edge to them, a little, little maybe grittier kind of, and just the league itself. Well, the league is the league because of the travel, uh, Andrew. You know, lends itself to that, and you know, you're also because of the travel, because of the distances, you're also really dependent on your team because you're spending so much time with your teammates on the bus, on the road. You know, the Ontario Hockey League doesn't have that. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, you're home for the most part after a game, you know, drive down the highway, get back home. I mean, that's not the case for Sault Ste. Marie or Sudbury. You know, they don't have that same opportunity as much as uh, the, the other teams. But for the most part, that's how it is. And because they come, you know, a kid from Manitoba could be playing in B.C. That's a, that's a, big, that's a big, big geographical distance. And even when you think about Dylan, I mean, he's in Whitehorse. 
and he comes all the way down to play in, in the lower right. mainland in BC, ends up in Lethbridge. So, you know, you're depending on the support of your teammates. You, you really understand what it means to be a, a really good, strong teammate and to rely on your teammates and depend on your teammates. And it's not that the other players don't get that, but the WHL players, I believe, to your point, are, you know, they're conditioned for that at an earlier age. I agree. Yeah, I think I think that's it, – it's a hard, it's harder at a young age. It's a harder life at a young age going to the uh, WHL. I, I want to ask you about P.K. Subban, but there's also, a, 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 you know – a big uh, time right now going on with free agents and then RFAs. Let me ask you this. Do you expect to see uh, offer sheets? Do you expect the Sabres to sign anybody at free agency? What's Matt Duchesne doing? You know, kind of all of that. Yeah, it's really interesting because, I mean, the reports out of Toronto are that Casper Kapanen and Andreas Janssen have signed longer three- and four-year deals. I think that was the area that uh, you could have been looking at for offer sheets. I mean, if you offer those players, let's just say you offer those players a little bit more. Let's just say you offer $4 million, uh, to Andreas Janssen. Well, you only have to give up a second-round draft pick. And I, and I really think that if you're trying to acquire a player, let's just say you're Edmonton and you're trying to find a, a scoring winger, well, why not surrender a second-round draft pick in next year's draft to get a 20-goal score? I think that's where... In my own view, that's where teams should be targeting free agents or offer sheets. No, I mean, teams just can't afford, and when I say can't afford it, do you think the Toronto Maple Leafs can walk away from Mitch Marner? I guess maybe they can or they're forced to if the offer is, is just something that just paralyzes their team. And I think you always have to keep that in mind. But you know what? It's really hard to walk away from, from players that you've invested in and that are really top-end performers. And that's why... When you see the offer sheets go to the players, teams match it every time. And, yeah, I know Dustin Penner didn't get matched, but Dustin Penner was never an elite player. The elite players, they get matched. And so I, I, don't, I don't expect it to be in, in that regard. And, you know, maybe it'll surprise me, and, and, and you'll get one or, or two, maybe Sebastian Ajo or a Braden Point. But that's why Tampa Bay went and moved J.T. Miller. They, they're trying to clear some cap space to make sure they're not vulnerable to that. And I think that Toronto Maple Leafs moving out Patrick Marlowe and, you know, other teams, now that's the offer sheet part. Now you're looking at free agency. You know, this is an opportunity to not only make trades and exchange players, it's also an opportunity to add players through unrestricted free agency. It's really hard during the regular season as we see. Really, it's really hard from the middle of July on and up until this period of time to make any meaningful exchanges because there's just few, so few teams that are, that are involved in it or that are capable of it. This has everybody in the mix to try to find a way to improve their team. So I do expect to see uh, uh, significant movement around the league. And what about the salary cap situation? With respect to? Just the, the, the number and teams pressed up against it and, and um, you know, managing their money. <clears throat> Well, I mean, managing, I mean, in the salary cap system, I mean, you're going to have to manage it. You're, 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 and you're, you have to make difficult decisions. I mean, there's no other way around it. I mean, there's players that you have to say, okay, we're going to move on. Look at, the, look at the Chicago Blackhawks in 2010 coming out of the Stanley Cup and the moves they have to make. So, I mean, that's just the, that's the reality of it, and, and, and those are, the, those are mm-hmm. the elements of the salary cap that you have to deal with. Are, are they pleasant to deal with? No, but you have to do it. There is Craig Button with the instigators earlier today. We'll come back. The line change. My brother Lou is in the house, 
and uh, he's got an interesting uh, debate going on that I think is insanity, and we'll tackle that when we come back before we get out of here. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. All right, we're back. My brother Lou is here for the line change. He's tagging in for the late shift at WBEN. What's your problem with ice cream cake? We need, what? My problem with it is that it's not actually cake. And normally... It is cake. It's just... No, it's just chocolate and vanilla ice cream in this giant block. It's normally too hard. Is there frosting? Yeah, that's Is there not, a base? That's not what a cake is. A is, cookie cake isn't a cake either. It's just one a, giant circular cookie. It's in the shape of a cake. So it has frosting no, on no, it. No. It has a base. It's no. cake. No. And don't tell me we're having cake, and then you roll out that. It's and it's normally just chocolate and vanilla, which is like the side dish. It's like the mashed potatoes and gravy of dessert. It's like the side. What? You're never just eating that. <laughs> what is a cake? It, a cake has got to be bread-based, I feel like. No. Dough-based. Right? That, isn't, that, I don't, isn't that what a cake is made out of? Yeah, like cake batter? Yeah. That, yes, it's got to have... You can that. make yeah. a cake out of different things, though. The ca- it's like a pie. A pie, as long as it's got the crust, it's no, no. a pie. There's a, I put up a poll on that about tw- on Twitter as well. Did you really? Yes, I did. I don't think anything in crust is a, is a pie. Like a chicken pot pie. It's, it's the whole a, a hot dog, a sandwich thing all over again. But for me, there's a reason that ice cream is the side dish to cake. It's because it's not as good and it cannot carry its own weight as the main. And that's but why, the, for uh, me, you make an entire giant rectangle out but of it's that not the it whole. Cake. It's not the whole piece of cake. There's frosting. There's, a, there's like the cookie crumbs inside the yeah. ice cream. There's something the else going on above it. it. giant hard blocks of disgusting chocolate ice You're cream. You're freezing I, it too much then. You've got to let it soften a little bit. No. That's your problem. You're it's not never, eating it the proper no, way. No, the problem is, is that's the way it's made. The, you can shoot it into the sun and it still will not thaw <laughs> out for three hours. <laughs> what are you talking? <laughs> it, it takes five minutes to soften. Ice cream cake is delicious. I've never All right, had we're going to put experience. it on the poll. I've never is had ice that cream cake delicious? Hmm. All right. Well, can I weigh in on the WGR Royal Rumble? Yes, you may. You have 30 seconds. Go. You would be the one that hides under the ring, and then when someone twists a fate, someone to the ground and pins them, you pull them out of the ring and you finish the job and win. All right. Sneaky. How am I going to get Bulldog over the top ropes? How am I going to get Howard just, over the top ropes? I'm not leg. that strong. You pull his leg. I mean, you got to find a way. I, I, don't, I think I'd come in like third or fourth. Start I think it would be him. Bulldog and Howard at the end uh, for the win. Start lifting. I'm we'll a high flyer. Don't count me out. That's true. High flyers generally don't come do very well in the ropes. Royal Rumble, though. Yeah, that's probably yeah. true. They've, they're more of a, what is it, money in the bank? That's yes, that's their game. That's yeah. money in the Jumping bank. Jumping off the ladders. All right. Have a good night. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Catch the whole show on demand at WGR550.com. I'll be back with you tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Until then, have a good night. This has been the Nightcap with Sneaky Joe and my brother Lou here on WGR. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.